Well, it's good to be able to share with you um, in this time around God's Word. Now, I wonder, have you ever been to the launch or to the start of something uh, new when there's been, you know, those times where there's a lot of hype around the the launch of something or something new that's taking place um, in a, a particular situation? Now, my guess is that most of you, if not all of you, have been a part of something like that. You may well have even participated in the launch of something new. Mary and I spent some time yesterday preparing for the launch of something new. In July, Mary and I will be attending a wedding in Queensland where a couple will launch into something new. I've been invited to marry Josh, who I've known all his life, and Brooke, Josh's partner. Whether it be a product launch or a wedding, in those days that follow after the the hype and all the, the, the pizzazz and the ceremony and all those sorts of things, there can be a time of adjustment when there is a reconciliation almost, as it were, of expectations versus reality. You know, how is it going to be in real life rather than just what we expected it might be like? Today, we continue to look at our snapshots from the life of Jesus and we join in the story shortly after Jesus has launched into his earthly ministry. So, a quick recap, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4 verses 18 and 19. Now, Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth. And he sums up his manifesto of ministry by quoting Isaiah 61. And in Luke um, chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, we read these words of Jesus quoting from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. Undeterred by the poor responses from his hometown, Jesus travels a couple of days' journey to the town of Capernaum, in the area around the Sea of Galilee. Jesus was not licking his wounds or trying to go into hiding. For Jesus, there was intent and purpose in his movement to Capernaum. Now that Jesus has declared who he is and what he was um, to do his manifesto of ministry, now Jesus um, is, is beginning to live that out. Expectations were now going to turn to reality. So let's pick up the account in Luke chapter 4, verse 31. Luke chapter 4, verse 31, where we read these words, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There too, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. Once, when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, began shouting at Jesus, Go away! Why are you interfering with us? Jesus of Nazareth, why have you, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. 
Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. Then he came out of him without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, What authority and power this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him and flee at his command. The news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. Following on from Jesus claiming that he was the fulfillment of Isaiah 61, Jesus travels to Capernaum where he continues as, he, as a rabbi and visits the various synagogues on the Sabbath days. Now the Sabbath day started on Friday at sunset. It would last until sunset on the Saturday. On Saturday morning, And throughout the Saturday, there would be gatherings at the synagogue. Now, while there was only one temple in Jerusalem, there were many synagogues scattered around the land. And while there are a few occasions each year when people would travel to the temple, coming to the synagogue was a regular part of the rhythm of town life. To have a synagogue, all it took was to have 10 Jewish men of 13 years of age or older to commit to coming together for the worship of Yahweh God through the study of scripture and through prayer. Women were welcome to participate as well and to come along. The eldership of men helped lead the synagogue services. Those older, the spiritual elders in the synagogue would sit towards the front, cross-legged on mats, Um, And and the younger ones would sit towards the back, kind of like a lot of churches where you see all the young people sitting at the back of the church. Um, So in many towns, there was a synagogue and visiting rabbis like Jesus would be welcome to lead and to contribute and to reflect and to um, provide some teaching in the Sabbath service. Now, most of the rabbis would quote other rabbis that had gone before them. They would use these other rabbis to reinforce or to give an interpretation of a position. In contrast, when Jesus spoke, Jesus spoke with authority and claimed the authority to interpret and apply scripture to everyday life. Such was the confidence, such was the charisma of Jesus that people were amazed at his teaching. For he spoke with authority. And on one occasion, just a regular day in the synagogue, Jesus was confronted by a man who was possessed, who had an unclean spirit, a demon controlling him. Jesus' presence makes this demon nervous, decidedly uncomfortable. We don't know what time it took place in the synagogue service, but fidgeting gives way to restlessness, which gives way to the man uncontrollably blurting out, go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. But Jesus was having none of that. Be quiet, come out of that man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd, the synagogue congregation, watched. 
Then it came out of him without hurting him further. Now, it's interesting to note that demon possession is referred to in other um, writings outside of the Bible, but still the intensity and frequency of the reports are focused on the gospel accounts. Jesus also acknowledges that there are others in Luke chapter 11, verse 19, that there are others who also would cast out demons, not just himself. Yet there is something about Jesus that brings out the best, and also the worst in people. I can imagine that if Jesus was uh, to to start branding a deodorant, rather than it being called Old Spice or Brute 33, it would probably be called Provocateur. Once again, the crowd um, at the synagogue are amazed by Jesus' authority. Now, the writer of Luke wants to make sure that we see that there is, um, you know, that it's abundantly clear in his writings that there is no separation between Jesus' authority in what he says or in what he does. The results are equally amazing. In verse 36, it says, Amazed, the people exclaimed, What authority and power this man's words possesses. Even evil spirits obey him and flee at his command. The news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. It's also worthy of note that just because people are amazed in their heads, that this does not automatically convert to their hearts. Sure, Jesus is the talk of the town for now. But time would reveal that people are fickle. With the commotion of the synagogue confrontation over, people disperse to their homes for the rest of the Sabbath day. Jesus gets an invite to spend what is left of the day with Simon and Andrew, and probably with James and John tagging along. Simon, who we also know as Peter, and Andrew, his brother, are fishing Um, brothers and their mates James and John are all heading back to Peter's place. Family friends are there to greet Simon, Andrew and their friends. Simon's wife may have skipped the synagogue service to take care of her mum. On arrival Simon quickly is updated that his mother-in-law has a fever that is only getting worse. Fevers in Jesus' day were generally related, uh, regarded as either low or high. And for Peter's mother-in-law, hers is high. The language that this doctor, Luke, who's writing this account, uses, he gives an awareness of the distress that is being experienced. The, the, the Greek that he uses talks about that she sees that she's hard-pressed by the fever and that people are worried. So let's pick up the account in verse 38. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. As the sun went down that evening, People throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. 
No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, You are the Son of God! But because, he knew, uh, because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowd searched for him, and when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around, preaching in the synagogues throughout Judea. Now, let me do a, a, a quick check just for a moment. And uh, I, I did prime Colleen on this just before the service, so she's had all of, what, um, 20 minutes notice. Um, but Colleen, uh, in your experience, when you think about someone who has a high fever, what comes to mind for you about their symptoms, how they might be feeling? A high fever can certainly make you feel terrible. It saps your strength. It um, dehydrates you. Um, there's pain usually involved and headaches and aches and pains. It's, it's a miserable business, as I'm sure you all know, because if you've had the, a do dose of the flu, you know that that's what it can do. But when it says this high fever, it makes me think more of something even more serious, like, mm -hmm. like pneumonia. Yep. Um, there are other things that can do it too, but um, but pneumonia speaks, you know, yep. jumps to mind. Yep. Um, like you can have malignancies and metabolic syndromes and things that will give you a fever. But but infection. Yep. And we're all very conscious of that at the moment uh, yeah. with the virus. Absolutely. Of yep. Yep. But can I just go on to say Absolutely. the thing that that really impresses me about this? is not so much that Jesus can heal, which he did, mm. but she got up immediately. Yeah. Now, Colleen, how long would someone recover, like take to recover from um, a high fever? Look, What's everyone's the... different, but certainly not immediate. Yeah. I mean, it's going to, you're going to be weak and feel terrible for days afterwards. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it did break like this meant that she was healed. Yeah. And then the, the completion of the healing was this the removal of tiredness and yeah. giving her the strength to get up and minister to them. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? it? Is. And, and, and that is, as Colleen said, just an amazing um, thing about this occasion when not only is, is Peter's mother-in-law, Simon's mother-in-law, healed, but she is fully restored. So all the... the the strength-sucking part of this disease, this infection, has been removed and her strength has been restored. So it's as if she never had the sickness to start with. And so, such was the dramatic and complete healing of Simon's mother-in-law that she is not only healed of the fever, but her strength is replenished. In gratitude, it is noted by the doctor, Luke, that he testifies to the completeness of the healing. Luke records that Simon's mother-in-law then proceeds to prepare a meal for her guests. That would be a normal thing that she would do if she wasn't sick. But just that quick and amazing and that miraculous turnaround. 
So once the sun sets again on the Sabbath, people start to move around more readily. With this freedom, people bring the sick and the demon-possessed to Jesus. Regardless of their affliction, Jesus heals them all. Such was the transformation that took place in this town of Capernaum that the following day the people wanted to keep their healer for themselves. Simon Peter, on discovering that Jesus had left the home earlier in the morning, starts looking for Jesus with others. They ask Jesus to stay, but he declines in verse 43. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around, preaching in the synagogues and throughout Judea. After all, isn't that precisely what Jesus declared about himself in Luke 14, 18 and 19? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. People in Capernaum saw an amazing anointing of the Spirit on Jesus' life and in authority and in power. Those who experienced captivity by demons of, uh, or of disease were equally comprehensively healed by Jesus. They were released from their captivity. This was good news of God's favour, which was experienced by the town. So today, as we seek to faithfully follow Jesus, we know that there are those who will come to us who are held by captivity, held in captivity, whether it be by issues of the world, by issues in their own flesh, their own addictions and other behaviours, and by the devil himself. We also know that it is essential to balance both care to those held captive while also challenging behavior and spiritual forces. Just as Jesus responded with divine authority, we know that Jesus has commissioned his followers to respond in faith-filled ways as we seek to live out the good news. There will be times when we, like Jesus, will experience opposition. We have um, been commissioned by Jesus to lovingly challenge and to seek the transformation of people's lives. Some who come to visit us and our services, just as they did in the synagogue. We may find that there are times where there could be disruptions to our services because of the provocation of the good news the good news that Jesus brings. And we should not shy away from that. For that is why Jesus came. That is why Jesus called us to follow him, to continue to bring the life-transforming good news to the world in which we live. But in Jesus' name, and in the, for the effectiveness of ministry, we establish loving boundaries as we seek to have the kingdom of God and its values outworked in this place. Jesus set boundaries in place and it's okay for us to do that as well, both in our church, 
but also in our ministries through care works as well. We have and we will continue to lovingly challenge oppositional behaviour out of a desire to see the message of the good news of Jesus continue to transform lives. If we are to be about the ministry of Jesus, then we will experience opposition in many forms. Still, we have the authority that that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, which is highlighted in those verses, where Jesus commissions his followers to continue the transformative ministry of Jesus in the world in which God has placed us. We should also not be surprised when we pray for and hear of people being healed. There is authority, but not arrogance, in the name of Jesus. For some, health transformation may be immediate. For others, it may be gradual, and others may only fully realise it when Jesus comes again. So how might we respond today? as we're reminded of the amazing authority of Jesus over those held in captivity from evil forces as well as uh, debilitating disease. How might we respond? Well, we recognise that Jesus is still a provocateur today. He is still someone that will hopefully desire to bring out the best in us. But sometimes, as as we reflect who Jesus is in our community it will bring out the worst in others as well. What response bubbles up for you as you reflect on Luke's account of this ministry of Jesus? In what area of your life do you long for personal transformation? And how might Jesus be calling you to bring transforming good news to others? There's going to be some music played and I encourage you to pull out those response cards and reflect on those questions. There might be something else that God's laying on your heart that you might want to respond to um, as an alternative. But let's use this time to respond to the things that God's saying to us today. God bless you.